this is Robert Dillon, the host of the Help Me Understand podcast. Thanks for taking some time to be a part of this project. Listening for ideas and inspiration in a world that continues to be filled with noise is at the heart of this podcast. I'm excited to share my journey to understand in deeper ways by listening to the passionate ideas of educators, thinkers, and entrepreneurs. Help Me Understand is a small opportunity to be hopeful and experience the best parts of humanity. Teacher and leader Raina Freeman joined me for this episode. Raina is fired up for learning, and her energy is so contagious. Raina is doing some amazing work with her students during this period of remote learning, and it was great to hear all of her ideas. She is truly making an impact both with her students and as she supports teachers and leaders around the country. Raina is also a big contributor to the work of MassQ, which supports teachers and leaders in Massachusetts and throughout the Northeast. So hang on. This episode takes off from the very beginning. Raina, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, so for folks listening in, uh, where in the world are you today and how are you serving teaching and learning? So I am coming to you live from Norton, Massachusetts. Um, I am currently staying at my parents actually because I had colon cancer this year and was out already for 12 weeks. So I have already done 12 weeks of isolation and happened to come back to work part time. Um, when this all started, was just coming back full time. And once we made the switch to remote learning, I took over completely. So I'm working like 12 to 15 hours a day on remote learning, but I love it. Well, good. And I actually see a huge, like uh, a level of technology confidence in my yep. teachers that I didn't see before. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing. So I can actually speak to that because for years I've been the person that people see me coming down the hallway and like literally ran away from because they thought it was like Raina technology. I'm not ready. And now they're finally asking all these amazing questions. Um, my, one of our special educators said it best and said, you've been trying to teach us this for three years and now it's baptism by fire. Yes, absolutely. And I think that um, there's, there's a lot of stress around that, but as people start to be like, oh, I can hit this button and this will work. And it wasn't as good this time, but next time I got it down, that level of confidence, I hope, carries over to whatever version of learning happens in the fall. Yeah, I found that teachers are really seeing a value in using, um, we have the access to the G Suite. So really seeing value in how to pump information out, use sites, slides, docs, PDFs, like really engaging with kids through Google Meets. Yep. has been new for a lot of teachers. I mean, some were very uncomfortable using it in the beginning and um, Screencastify was something none of them had heard of. And yeah. now it's something we use a lot. Um, the one thing that we do talk a lot about with educators is modeling, um, you know, copyright, fair use, data privacy, like all that stuff shouldn't go away. Yeah, and I, and I think I was okay. And I, and I do a similar role. I, I certainly take care of like the hardware side of things. But also, yep. I, my big last six weeks has been the same flow of questions from teachers, right? Like, how do you make this work? Can we get this program? This would really help me. This would round out what I'm doing. But, you know, for the first few weeks, it was like, make it work for you. And now I do think we're coming back to some of that hey, let's make sure we're taking care of privacy. Let's make sure we're taking care of fair use. And um, I think that we haven't let go of that, but I do think that um, we didn't lead with that. I don't know if you guys were the same. 
Um, we led with that because we enrolled our data privacy this year. So they were based, we belong to the Cam Cambridge Consortium. Have a um, our district has a collaborative that works on the contracts. So if they haven't signed a contract, we can't use it. Yeah, there's certain things with, that involves kids to log in, right? Like there's other things, old school lemonade stand where my kids can play because they don't need to log into that. Yeah, and that's wise, and I think uh, we're all continuing. I, and, you know, I think in St. Louis here, we would benefit from kind of a central group like that because so many, so many of us are smaller districts that, yep. man, we just need a whole person just to do that thing. And uh, it, that's one of those areas where consortiums really work. Where else are you seeing uh, some bright spots for your teachers and your students? You know, I think the human-centeredness of this has been huge. Um, I, I teach fifth grade, and I've taught third, fourth, and fifth in my building, and our, we were asked to do one grade, right, which is a lot. Um, but I love the fact that our fifth grade staff has come together, and as we all bring strengths, and sometimes, you know, we might have a really bad day. We need a mental health day, so people have been stepping up. Um, which has been great. The other piece that I think is good is people have divided and conquered the work material for our learners. Mm -hmm. So we have a slide deck and each day there's a math and ELA science or social studies. And then I added the SEL and the movement piece because, you know, SEL and ed tech huge as it should be, because we can use these tools to really reach our learners, which is something else I'm seeing. And so I think by people you know, stepping up and doing what their strengths are has really been an asset to our kids. And then my strengths lie in obviously the tech side and the enrichment side. So I developed an entire Google site of um, enrichment review service learning and uh, we have an estimation station by our math specialist. So mm -hmm. everyone's come together and we also have an art, a music and a PE site. Yeah, and, and I love that because uh, I think that it's easy to jettison that, but we know that it's central to engagement and relevance and what kids want to be doing. My own daughter, I have two daughters. Um, one of them, you know, the other day was drawing some really intricate things. And I said, hey, she's like, yeah, I just need to do this now. Like, I need a kind of a palate cleanser. I need something that doesn't feel like the grind of math and then social studies and then science. Yeah. And the cool part is, and I know it's hard for us to see this if we're not with kids every day, man, some of our kids are really getting better at schedule management and figuring out their day and figuring out those things. I hope that's a positive outcome of this. Well, one of the things that we were talking about today is, you know, in, in theory, Google Meets, right? Like I talk to my kids, I ask them, they would prefer a noon over a 10 a.m. because they're sleeping later. Yep. So, you know, even things like that, people are having dinner with their families. Um, one of the other things that we did was some parent Google Meets, and we did, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Positive Sign Thursday we've been doing for years, but it's literally using that hashtag, and it's printing out a piece of paper with a positive message that we shared on social wow. media, and we used to take pictures with kids all over the building with it. Well, you can't do that anymore, right? So what did um, my co-teacher and I go do last weekend? We drove around to houses and did like that. This We stood social distancing with the kids. I wore a mask. And we took pictures with them and man, was that huge, right? Like, so not losing that human centered piece to connect with kids. Like even today I read Peter Reynolds BU, which I'd read before, but didn't realize all the connections that it had to what's going on. You know, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be patient with yourself. Like I think giving ourselves permission for the shift is huge. I need to write that in my hand in ink some days, right? Like, cause <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I would say that 
today, the day we're recording this, hasn't been my best day of these weeks. And uh, um, I and I certainly have empathy around that, but just today has been one of those days where I've got to be a little patient with myself and be okay with not just forcing the day. And um, I hope our teachers can give themselves that grace as well. Well, yeah, and being flexible with your kids, right? Like it's sunny out today. It's been raining for days here. So letting the kids go outside and bike ride and explore nature is just as good as sitting and doing five times five on a piece of paper, right? Like they need to be able to do what they need. Yeah, and I just read something out of Canada the other day that said, hey, we like this and we love that our kids are getting more nature time and home time. Yeah. I'm wondering if we are going to have a group of kids and families that are going to say, like, can we keep doing this? I don't know. I know people are already asking about the fall and I'm like, we don't even have any answers right now about the rest of the year with transition and placement and, you know, the typical things, all of that has to shift. Like how we're doing things has to change and it can't, you can't replicate what you were doing in the classroom or the physical building yeah. in the online environment. And anyone who tries to do that, I think you're just going to lose kids. Yeah, and I'm seeing folks that, you know, at one point in time, early, there were parents kind of demanding this synchronicity, yep. right? Like, we want this to feel like a classroom setting for six and a half hours. I think lots of people have backed off of that, but yep. um, I do think there's a balance, and I think all of us are trying to figure out, like, hey, asynchronous time and choice and when you do this and noon time, but there is, like, this moment where, you know, my oldest daughter's like, oh, we're all doing physics at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Like, I still think that there are those touch points in virtual learning yep. that can be valuable as well, but we're all finding the, ba the balance is hard. So we play, I started just playing games with my kids from three to four on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I now have out of 23 kids, we have maybe 19. Yeah that are coming. We've done boggles, categories, taboo, kahoot. We're doing trivia this week. We also are involved in the Kids Need Mentors program, which is um, a connection with an author and illustrator. So our author who was in Vermont, which is like what a four and a half drive to where we are, yeah. is now coming at us at a Google Meet and he could do it every week. Whereas if we were in school, he's not coming driving four and a half hours each way, you know, yep. to come and interact with my students. And I actually invited um, guest readers to our virtual classroom and I invited, you know, the secretaries, the school nurses, the school psychologists, the specialists, because they're not interacting with kids the way we are, right? So like, I, I encourage teachers to remember that there's a bigger community and it's okay to invite other people to your meet. It doesn't just have to be you in front of your kids. Yeah, and there are a number of school personnel, whether they're certified staff or non-certified staff, whatever, right, that are feeling a little marginalized right now. Like, yeah. I wish I could do more. Um, there's some on the flip side of that that are saying I'm full to the brim. But um, yeah, I love the idea of figuring out ways to uh, make them a valuable part of the learning that's going on. And I think switching to not that anyone expected this, wanted this, but switching to that makes you think about all these other things. And for me, I always kept the human centered at the heart of it with how can I make all of this happen? How can you make kids feel good? How can you include others? I mean, those are just general life lessons that you hope you to instill on your kids. Yeah. I, I, I'm wondering, and I definitely agree about the human-centered piece, and almost everybody I've talked to in the last two weeks have said that's where they're seeing their biggest success yeah. and their biggest fear, right? At the same time, we can do this really well online but man, some of our kids need that proximity, need to see us in our, you know, stare us in the eye. And uh, 
we eventually need to get kids back into spaces uh, yeah. at some point in time. Um, but and who knows what that space will look like. I know. I, I just spent all morning kind of having conversations with districts and schools about space, right? And saying, like, what questions should we be asking? And what scenarios should we be developing? Because to be honest, we don't, we can't plan around a reality that doesn't exist. We have to plan around seven potential realities. And so I think that's a really hard thing. And that uncertainty, um, some teachers do uncertainty better than others. And so I think some of that's starting to creep in on people as well. That and that, that fear a lot of teachers have of losing control, which we've lost. Yes right? Like there is no control. You just hope whoever, whatever kids are around show up to a Google meet. I know some teachers have six, whereas I'm looking at 19. Yeah. You know, I do office hours with my kids and I'm lucky I have four kids show up for that. A lot of them come from meetings and things. Yep. But when they do come for office hours, they have like, Oh, like what questions do you have? How can I support you? Like, what do you need? And they literally sit there and say, Oh, we don't need anything. We just wanted to look at you. Yeah. I know like that, that, yeah, I, I wonder, there probably are some teachers that are out there right now that are saying, I kind of like teaching like this better. And I I wonder if some people feel really guilty about saying that out loud. I'm kind of trying to make it okay for somebody to step up and say like, man, this is my sweet spot. This is where I have a strength. Oh, that's Um, what I said when I came back. I said, I'm coming back full time. This is my jam. Like my poor sub was like, wait, what? you know, it's like all of a sudden, like we switch roles, right? Like she was pretty much teaching my class. And then all of a sudden we go to online learning and I'm like, I got this. Like I can get all my sick days back and I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So good for you. And so, and also good. I, I, I hope that it's been um, a, a buoy to your energy and a, a, an opportunity for you to kind of uh, be reinvigorated with the energy of the, the kids uh, that you're serving as well. Well, and the nice thing about what I've been doing is for years, I mean, look, I'm sure you know these teachers, we create things with the whole child in mind and for the entire grade, right? But I would share a hyperdoc and people weren't ready to look at it yet, right? Like they were like, what is this? I can't even (laughs) touch this. Like I'm not opening this. And meanwhile, the other day I made a hundred, it was like 130 slides. It was for our picture. It was for a chapter book and it was a whole book study and I shared it and I had teachers that were like, I can now breathe. I have a reading unit for the rest of the year. Yes. Like, so they're seeing value in some of the things that before they just weren't, it was a mental readiness, right? You learn that in your first education course. When your students aren't mentally ready, they're not going to learn anything, right? So I think the same goes true with our educators. A lot of them weren't mentally ready for the ed tech. They just, that wasn't their thing. It wasn't their wheelhouse. And now they're really looking at it like, all right, like this is helpful. So I think some of, I really do hope that when we go back, number one, I feel more connected to colleagues. I hope those relationships don't go away. And then when we come back, that people are still going to continue using like a more blended learning approach. Yeah, I definitely hope that as well. And I I hadn't really considered, but you know, anytime you've been through something with someone, you're, they're connected. And many of our teachers certainly know each other and are collegial and, you know, are friendly and go through some experiences, but this is a whole nother level of like, yeah, now we're a team. We've been through something together. And I, I do hope that that's a positive outcome as well. Yeah, I really do. Even like in our mask world, right? I mean, we've been offering virtual queue ups Tuesdays and Thursday nights from eight to nine. And I've had people come from all over the country. And one of the things that we figured out was people felt alone. Yeah. You know, like I'm the only one feeling like this and they're really not. 
So just getting out and talking to people is huge. Yeah, and so for listeners, you play a role certainly with your school and your students, but you also support uh, the greater community through MassQ. Talk to yeah. us a little bit about your role there and um, you know how you guys have had to shift maybe as well. So, you know, we are um, ISTE's Massachusetts affiliate. I am the current president and we are planning for our fall conference. We are the only stadium run conference in the country. We do it at Gillette and we've come to the realization that we're not gonna have 4,000 people at Gillette Stadium. So we've had to rethink how we wanna do this, but the one thing we've recognized is replicating what we do in the physical space, you can't replicate on the online space. So we're taking this as an opportunity to recreate this fall conference. The other thing we're doing is we've had Google, like Google Paloozas throughout the state. And so we're now gonna try one online in August with all of our trainers. So instead of our trainers being divided statewide, they're all gonna to be together and we're gonna probably do like, you know, Zoom breakout rooms and see how that works. So again, we've had to shift how we've done some of our events. We've also cut costs to a lot of our PD programming, given the fact that we don't want to charge people, you know, $150 when we will ask for 75, given the current climate, right? Like we've had to look at budgeting and how we can reach our members. We've done a lot of stuff for free, including these virtual meetups. You know, usually they're sponsored by a vendor and they're at a restaurant and we get together and have a meal. And like the last one we had was in Worcester, actually, right before they made all these announcements. And Eric Kurtz came. Yep. And did, you know, a great, he spoke and just, it was nice to connect with him and with the other educators that were in Central Mass, whereas now we can't do that, right? So we've been doing virtual queue ups and we've had anywhere from 10 to 30 people show up you know, eight to nine, we just get together and talk twice a week. We started with like everybody, right? Like anybody who wanted to come talk. And those people asked us if we could focus it a little bit more. So like last night we did one on data privacy. Uh, Thursday, someone's doing five strategies to survive this. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like it's just, we've tapped into our membership to ask them like, all right, we value you. What is something you're interested in talking about? And people have come out and talked about all kinds of things the last month and a half. And we're now booked with speakers through June. Yeah, I I love that. And I think this is an opportunity to grow the tent, right? Whether it's a time to fill the coffers with money is probably another question, but it is an opportunity to let people know that they aren't lonely, isolated, disillusioned out there and that there is a tent for them that can put them around other colleagues that uh, genuinely are energized and fired up about the work. And um, I'm glad to hear you guys are doing that. Yeah. And you know, what we realized is, is we can't do this alone, right? Either like talk about an organization, never mind an individual person. And so we've actually partnered with a couple of organizations. We sent a letter to the commissioner of the state, letting them know, you know, we're out here, that we're here to support them. And here are things that like we're working on. Um, the other thing we're talking about now is maybe partnering with other ISTE affiliates across New England. So we haven't even reached out to them yet. So this is very in the works, um, but we're talking about doing PD at a drive-in. Oh, because you can use the two big screens and do them all over your state and then other states can do them. And then if you have a hashtag, all those educators could talk with all the other educators that are doing it at the same time. Well, I love the novelty of that. If not, hey, the effectiveness will probably be there, too. But I love the novelty of that. And I do love that, you know, these folks that work around these ISTE affiliates, and I get to work with a lot of them around the country, um, are people that are thinking differently, are excited about trying something new, 
And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing all kinds of fun ideas because people are, we were already at a point where we had to start thinking differently about conferences, whether yep. we were pricing people out, whether whatever it was, right, location or cost. Right. I mean, I wasn't going to ISTU this year simply because it was in Anaheim and no offense, it was too hard to them. It was too hard to get you from Boston. Yeah. And, uh, you know, certainly I've been uh, up there at Patriot Place before and it's an amazing conference. Uh, but the same sort of thing is like, hey, you guys, the, the main place where you guys had people was tight. And, you know, that that who knows? But I think we're not going back to a time and place where we're putting a lot of people in one room right. um, in the near in the near term anyway. Yeah, we were actually expanding into the. Um they have like a showcase live and we we're going to do a whole esports thing in there. Oh yeah. There's a lot of things we were looking forward to that. You know, that's the other thing is like the disappointment of you can't do this. Yeah. And, uh, and that whole esports, I, I actually told myself during this break, I was going to kind of lean in and learn some more. And um, like you said, the time has to be right <laughs> for yep. professional learning. And um, I, I went in a different direction with my own learning. So a uh, couple final questions. Yep. Uh, what are you reading right now? What are you learning about? What question has you pondering? Um, so I just finished John Carippo's EDU protocol. This is my yeah. professional book. I think it's really important to break up professional and personal. And I'm now reading, um, I don't know if you've read it, but Educated. Which My wife's the, actually reading that right now. Yep, that's what I'm reading. And it's a memoir about a woman who didn't go to school. Her father suffered from some mental illness and believed in the Illuminati and the evilness of the human race. And, and it's, you know, it's all, tr it's her life. It's her memories, right? So this is true for her perception. And she went to, I haven't gotten to the part where she went to school, but she finally decides to go to school at 17. So I'm just at the part where I'm learning about like her life child. Yeah. And it makes you wonder about, and things that I wonder about that connect to this book. I mean, you wonder about kids right now who are suffering from abuse, mental illness, your trauma kids, your kids with autism and other learning disabilities, right? Like, I don't know how they're doing this. No. And I, and I know that there are 11 year olds and 12 year olds that are basically the principals of their own homes, right? Yes. Mom's an essential worker or dad's an essential worker. They're out of the house and some teenager or younger is the new principal of a household where yep. they're having to make sure that all the peers are doing that and all of that stress feeding people. And, you know, there's adults that are saying like, I can't handle working and doing this at the same time. Imagine asking a 12 year old to do right. that same thing. Or you have little kids who are being raised by the 17-year-old sibling. Yes. And the 17-year-old, sometimes I get it, can't be bothered. They have their own work to do and their own life to live. And, you know, it's a bubble, right? They still want to be 17. You you feel bad for all these kids who are transitioning. You know, in our, in our district, um, we're campus. So K to 2 is together, 3 to 5, 6 to 8 in the high school. So you're looking at, you know, your incoming third graders, your incoming sixth graders, and your incoming freshmen. And then how do you honor the outgoing kids? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I do. I wonder a lot about how we're, are we really supporting all of our kids? And I don't, I know that I am, right? Because I've seen them all doing things. I've physically seen almost all my kids, but one family. And, you know, there is going to be that one family that no matter how many times you try to reach them, there's no response. Yeah. 
you know, even the principal trying, right? So there's only so much we can, that other thing is we have to recognize that there's only so much we can do and we can give before yeah. we need time for ourselves. And I hope that educators that are listening are actually sometimes taking time for themselves and knowing that's okay. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and it, the whole idea of time is flipped all over the place too. Yep. So where we used to find time for ourselves might not be that window anymore. And yep. um, so I do think that um, we've got to recharge the batteries at some point in time, whether that's on a daily, weekly, or as we move into the summer for sure. So yeah, um, Raina, thanks for joining me. Thanks for the hard work you're doing. And thanks for uh, having me. And it's been really good. And um, just a final, if you have to give a piece of encouragement for yep. uh, teachers and leaders, uh, what's the final word? All right. Can I read a page out of the BU book? Because yes. All right, so it's, it's, I'm just gonna read the last two pages. It says, be okay reaching out for help. When you need a helping hand, a compassionate ear, and encouraging word, reach out. As you voyage into the world, remember, no matter what, you will always be loved. And that's from Peter Reynolds. Uh, thank you so much. And I just feel like people need to remember that they have a support network, right? Like some people, sometimes when you do, I think a lot of people might feel alone during this at some time, and don't be afraid to reach out and don't be afraid to let go. Absolutely. Raina, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Help Me Understand podcast. For more about my work, you can head over to drrobertdillon.com or follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to rate this podcast as it helps alert others to the great conversations and ideas happening in this space. Until next time, this is Dr. Robert Dillon reminding you that an intentional life is filled with awe, curiosity, and joy.